Blog Talk Radio. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Yeah, and we, uh, we got that email a couple of days ago about the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, and I, I sent Farrell an email uh, saying, hey, the, the new logo, it looks great, but the, you should have considered a, a red tone rather than a blue tone. And, and I think we all agree here on red versus blue, right? No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. And I saw that, Scott, and I thought that was, uh, that was quote, cute. But uh, now the blue tone, blue tone looks good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Fantasy Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. Uh, as always, joined by the big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, we've got a lot going on. Uh, just so many announcements to run through today. The uh, the first announcement, which was pretty huge, a lot of fun for us here at FFToolbox.com. FF Toolbox was named the most accurate rankings of 2012 by Fantasy Pros. Over 100 websites participate in that challenge every year, and it's a ranking, an accuracy ranking of the preseason rankings. It's a very nice award to get. We get to put the nice little number one badge up on the site. That's pretty cool. Uh, we've, we've been dubbing our rankings the uh, the rankings you can trust, and I think that seal uh, makes things a little bit more compelling for those folks that are getting ready to print up their their cheat sheet before they go to the draft. A lot of people... They don't do a lot of customization and tweaking like we do, Mike. Sometimes, you know, we'll put up together our own list. But for the masses that play fantasy football, it's kind of nice to be able to go to a site, print up a set of rankings, and and, and use that as a uh, as a good guide uh, for what you're about to do at draft day. So, nice award. Thank you to all the staff at FF Toolbox. They're the ones that make it happen. The entire team gets together. We work on those rankings. It's a lot of work. And uh, thank you to Fantasy Pros for putting that challenge together. That's an that's an honor to uh, be awarded number one, and to all the other great sites out there. I know Bruno Boys won it last year. They they sent a nice uh, uh, tweet today to us to uh, pass the torch, so to speak. And it's ours to hang on to, Mike. There's nowhere to go but down. Well, you know, and congrats, Scott, uh, Cindy, uh, Emil, uh, uh, the entire the entire crew. I mean, all you guys are doing a great job, and just uh, keep keep pushing. Keep pushing forward, man. Uh, you know the sky's the limit, and uh, there's a. Uh, I, I saw a great, uh, a great article. Uh, BFD uh, uh, fantasy football. Uh, they had a great article in uh, on Facebook about you guys, about what you're doing, and the things, the steps you're taking uh, to uh, make the uh, make the customers happy, make the uh, make the players happy, and uh, you know it just. Uh, it it shows that, uh, that what you guys are doing are, is a great thing. <clears throat> well, that's uh, that's good that you mentioned BFD Fantasy. Great podcast they have every Wednesday night. Lou Tranquilli and then the new owner, Joe Jefferson, a high-stakes player. He took 
second place in the Fantasy Football World Championship last year. He's actually placed second in two of the biggest uh, events in the country, the FFWC and the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. So he's placed twice, kind of the bridesmaid, never the bride, but Joe has done a – he's a tremendous fantasy player, uh, and he is now the new owner of BFD. So we'll be working with those guys also to uh, to, to help uh, fantasy players uh, get get exposed to the high-stakes industry a little bit and to the winners, the real pros. You know, here at Toolbox, now that we host the Fantasy Football World Championship, one of the things we kind of joke around – it's like, would you rather get your advice from Bristol or Vegas? And that's what we get here with the high-stakes world, right? We get some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes, and some of them are in the chat room right here. Code Cracker, Rich McClellan, Wayne Ellis is in the chat room, Nick, Mobile App Startup, IPS Driver, and Henry Muto, another big uh, six-figure winner. So welcome to Red vs. Blue. It is uh, Friday, <clears throat> July, what is it, July 12th? Yeah, July 12th, 2013, and... Let's go ahead and jump right to the news, Mike. We are going to look at an expert draft. I'm going to go ahead and get that linked in the chat room here so everybody has it. So you can pull that up, the color-coded draft board that we hosted at uh, MyFantasyLeague.com last Tuesday, this past Tuesday. Some of the uh, some of the experts in the industry got together to try out the FFWC format. And for those of you that don't know, the FFWC and the, the Roto Bowl format is an 11-man lineup. It makes it very important to draft that extra position before you start going off and doing too many things at quarterback and tight end or ever picking up a defense, you know, you have to be careful because you have to feel that lineup every single week. And if you just scroll down into the ninth and 10th round, right, that means you have to start nine skill position guys along with a kicker and a defense. So that means through nine rounds, some of these guys are going to be starters. Denarius Moore, Bryce Brown, Danny Woodhead, Fred Jackson, uh, Pierre Thomas, look at this! Look at this ninth round. Um, now you could go obviously into the tenth round and get your tight end like Greg Olson, Brandon Myers, Jared Cook. Maybe you can find a sleeper like a Brian Hartline in the eleventh, or a Reuben Randall, or maybe even a Julian Edelman. But my point is, it you have to you have to field a very deep lineup, so you can't be doing too many things at quarterback and tight end. Otherwise, you better have some real good sleepers, Mike, after that ninth and tenth round. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, you know, I'm looking through that draft right now, Scott, and, uh, you know, you, you better get it done uh, pretty early, uh, but especially more than anything, I'm looking at the 7th, uh, 8th, ninth round. Uh, starting in the 7th round is where you better start getting it done because uh, after that you're, you're, you're kind of reaching. Yeah, well, that's the point we're going to talk about tonight. We've got a lot of players to talk about that are in those later rounds uh, that you have to consider the value that they bring to your team. For example, we're going to talk about Bernard Pierce tonight, and let's go ahead and get started with Bernard Pierce. He's one of those guys that can definitely help you in the event of an injury to Ray Rice. If Ray Rice were to go down, some people say that Bernard Pierce could be that guy that wins you the $150,000 at the FFWC or the two hundred fifty at the FFPC. That's the type of guy that can win you the money. Uh, in those big money weeks, but it also could sit and rot on your bench when you could have, you know, really put a solid player into your lineup every week. That's the question. There's nothing to say that Ray Rice is going to go down. I mean, he's a 250 to 300 carry back. Now, he was 300 carries. Last year was 250, what, 257. So now you have to ask yourself, with the, the player that Bernard Pierce is, is he good enough to take carries away from Ray Rice. Some are even suggesting that maybe Ray Rice becomes more of a 
200 carry back, right? More than Darren Sproles, obviously, right? Ray Rice is a lot more than Darren Sproles. But maybe a 200 carry back that they also use out of the backfield, also line up out wide, replacing the Anquan Bolden type factor that is missing from that offense. So they have a receiving weapon. He can still catch 70 balls, maybe even more, maybe even more in that type of a role. And Bernard Pierce gets to utilize more of what he did last year. Remember, he had 108 carries last year, Mike. So some people say that maybe Bernard Pierce deserves 150 carries, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Well, you know, I think, uh, first off, I don't think Ray Rice will go down. Let's uh, knock on wood. I hope he doesn't. Uh, If he does, if Ray Rice goes down, say, first week, uh, is is Bernard Pierce a uh, second-round pick? Does that make sense? Uh, is he a second round pick for rookies in a dynasty draft? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's worth probably he's worth more than no, that. No, no, no. The question I'm asking is oh. if Ray, if Ray Rice goes down, if if you're oh. going into the draft thinking, okay, if Ray Rice goes down, is Bernard Pierce worth a second round pick? Oh, <clears throat> I, I say yes, absolutely. If if Ray Rice were to go down tomorrow, and let's let's hope that doesn't happen for all the Ray Ray Rice fans and owners. If Ray Rice right. were to go down, what we saw from Bernard Pierce last year was a phenomenal back. You know, remember, he had comparisons. He had comparisons to being Adrian Peterson. Uh, when he was coming out of college, People were the scouts were looking at him and saying, this kid is unbelievable, and he didn't go until the third round out of Temple. But there were a couple of things that we saw last year uh, from him that suggested he's quite a back. Now, obviously, the power, the big plays, uh, there's a there's a stat out there, Mike. Everybody knows yards per carry, right? Yards per carry, and Ray and Ray Rice averaged 4.4. Bernard Pierce averaged five yards per carry uh, on a hundred carries. He's one of the you know very few backs that. Uh, garbage. What's that? I said a lot of that was garbage, though. Well, you know, it whatever. I'm just saying a lot of backs that don't that have over a hundred carries or more. It, it's it's a phenomenal number. The other number that really sticks out to fantasy players and statisticians like the guys at Pro Football Focus is the Yakko. You know what the Yakko is? The yards after contact. And there were only three backs that had at least 100 carries that averaged more than three and a half Yakko, yards after contact. Those three backs were Adrian Peterson, C.J. Spiller, and Bernard Pierce. Wow. That type of that type of stat tells you that when he gets hit, he keeps moving, and he's taking people with him. Uh, that's the type of back that you have behind Ray Rice. Now, the last time we've seen a situation like that where there have been two really good, solid backs, probably back to the days of Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson. And if you remember, Priest Holmes was aging in his career when Larry Johnson was really coming on. So it's not a fair comparison because Ray Rice is still in the prime of his career, what a lot of people would say. So you don't want to jump the gun with a Bernard Pierce, but if you feel that you have some guys later on in that draft board, and let's just take a peek at the draft board a little bit. Let's scroll on down here, Mike. But if you have some guys that you're feeling good about, like, for example, here's here's another sleeper guy, Joy Cabell. A lot of people feel that Joy Cabell is a pretty good player, and Reggie Bush with the turf, not so sure. Mikel LaShore, some people say that Bell looked better than LaShore, and I don't think there's much argument in that. But if you feel like you have a guy that you can plug into your lineup every week, uh, maybe an Andre Roberts because he's going to be involved, 
or maybe you're really high on a Robert Woods or maybe, a, you know, somebody like that that you feel you can plug in or maybe a double flex at tight end like a Gresham or, just, a, or a Hausler. You can you know, take the I, chance I'm, I'm on a pair. I'm just kind of surprised in this draft, the way I'm looking at it, uh, the way uh, McFadden fell. Uh, but, of course, he's been injured. So, you know, there, there's a lot of different uh, different scenarios that uh, in, include Bernard Pierce. Uh, I don't get me wrong. I mean, I like Bernard Pierce. I really think he's going to be a, a great back in the NFL. Uh, I just don't know if I can uh, if I can plug him in that quick right now. Yeah. Well, again, it's 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 the situation of what is the right play for your team. Yeah. You've got guys like Emmanuel Sanders uh, should be a starter. If we look at that ninth round, Mike, let's just look at that ninth round because this is about the time when you're you're filling out that last piece of your lineup. Now, Bernard Pierce, you can start in spot duty if you need to. Like when a when your guys are on bye week, uh, you're hoping for a couple of catches. You're hoping for maybe a touchdown. You're hoping for, you know, seven or eight carries to go along with that, maybe 40 yards and a couple of catches. And you're crossing your fingers you get a touchdown. If he scores a touchdown, it's a good week for a bye week fill-in, you know, in that type of situation. But more than that... So when you, when Mike, you got, you, got uh, it. Three... you have to get a new phone, man. You just you just have to get. I'm gonna start putting the buzz meter on your phone. The, even the phone, phone is gonna get buzz meter, huh? What's wrong with the phone? Oh man, oh jeez, you got to get a new phone. Well, the uh, is uh, especially when the fact that you got Doug Martin, Chris Johnson, and Demarco Murray right there in front of you, and if you got Bernard Pierce laying, you know, just laying right there. After, you, after you've taken uh, Wes, Wel- uh, Wes Welker, uh, Mike Wallace, uh, Gordon, uh, T- I mean, goodness gracious, I mean, that's a no-brainer in that spot to go ahead and take uh, Bernard Pierce. Well, that and that draft up? was – that draft – no, you're fine. That draft was by Matt DeLima from FF Toolbox. He had a very good draft. He started off Martin, just like you said, Chris Johnson, DeMarco Murray, and then came back and fired away at wide receivers. Welker, Wallace, Gordon, Hilton. Uh, of course, Gordon has the two-game suspension. So if you look at that lineup, he's going to start the three wide receivers, the three running backs, and he still needs another flex. So while he's waiting on Gordon to come back, he's going to have to plug in either Owen Daniels, Bernard Pierce, Corderell Patterson, Terrence Williams, some or a Kobe Fleener down late. You know, one of those guys is going to have to take up the slack until Gordon gets back. When Gordon gets back, you know, He's going to be able to start three running backs and four wide receivers, and he's got a very solid team. It's almost what I feel like needs to be done in the FFWC format. First of all, it's a very deep year for quarterbacks. So go ahead and wait. Wait till the eighth round. Matt Ryan was taken in the eighth round. So that strategy works perfect for a guy like Matt Ryan as your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you know, Colin Kaepernick, tenth round. Russell Wilson, tenth round. Matt Stafford, who just signed a huge contract, which I got an unbelievable stat on him that uh, just will tell you apart. Uh, did you know Matt Stafford, uh, since he's been in the NFL, is 1-23? and 1-23 and against teams that have ended up with winning records at the end of the season. Wow. Interesting. I just, I just thought it. Out there, I mean, I heard that and I was like, no, that can't be right. So I looked it up and I was like, that's true. I mean, don't get me wrong, his fantasy stats are nice. You know, I mean, he'll fit, uh, he'll fit fine in, in the tenth round. But one and twenty-three against teams 
that have a winning a winning record at the end of the season. But uh, anyway, uh, just some thoughts there. Yeah, Code Cracker in the chat room. How many fantasy points did Stafford get in those games? Probably a lot, right? Uh, they did go one and fifteen, so that's not uh, that's not much of a, a surprise there, considering how bad they were and how bad they've been. But you know, this is a very interesting draft because again, everybody's trying to get their head around this this eleven man lineup, and it is look, there are no bailout strategies in the FFWC, and and I'm not I don't want to paint uh, that as uh, that other contests do, but when you when you there are no bailout strategies here, you can't just pick up a player later and uh, you know reap the rewards. Of, a, of some kind of a twisted scoring system. You have to get your running backs and your wide receivers filled out or get a very solid flex at tight end. I still believe in a second valuable tight end, Mike. I've always believed in having two good tight ends, at least serviceable and startable tight ends, that you can flex if need be in the event you have bye week issues or injury issues hit your team. I, I'm, I'm still a fan of that. But this year is more than any we've ever seen in the, in the era of quarterbacks uh, catching uh, wide receivers, the the rules around wide receivers, you can't touch them, and things of that nature. We've seen quarterbacks explode in fantasy. And so the world of, of the uh, elite quarterback, after the first couple of real dominant ones like Rodgers and Breeze, uh, after that, there's a lot of – you could put Cam Newton in that bubble. You know, you could probably put Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in that bubble. But, look, the list goes on. Matt Ryan, Griffin, Luck, Kaepernick, Wilson, Stafford, Romo, all those guys are going to have real good seasons. You have to think if they play the full 16 games. I'm very comfortable this year filling up my lineup the first seven rounds with running backs and wide receivers. And I love that strategy by Matt. Grab three young running backs quickly. Now, you can't do that, Mike, in the second half of the draft. In the first half of the draft, the picks one through six, I've seen That's a lot great. of running backs, right? I mean, look at this. That's... There were only four non-running back picks – in the first half of the draft, green. through three rounds, it's all green. When you yeah. The way the draft goes, you have to kind of take the value, and so your hand is kind of forced to take those wide receivers when you're in the second half of the draft, and then your running back options in rounds four through six, they're more like darts. They're more like darts where you're just throwing and you're hoping that maybe Eddie Lacy's the guy or you're hoping that Monty Ball's the guy. You're hoping that Shane Vereen catches 100 balls this year. <laughs> It's it's a very yeah. different draft experience depending on if you're in the first half or the back half. And I got to tell you, just at first glance, I'd rather be in the first half of the draft. You know, it's funny, Scott, because uh, for uh, after last year's season was over with, you know, I told myself, you know, I was like, let's just forget about the running backs. It's not a running game. Uh, it's a passing game, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you know, seeing some of these drafts and uh, these mocks and uh, some of these real drafts that are, uh, you know, money's on the line. Uh, running backs do matter, and now when I go down, like you, you can get some of these quarterbacks an insane value. I mean, really insane value, and they're going to put put up insane stats. Now, you talked about the tight ends. Uh, Tight ends are going to be a little tough. I mean, you've got your uh, one, two, three, or four that are going to stand out. But, I mean, really down the road, uh, you've got a lot, of, a lot of rookie tight ends that are going to make an immediate impact in the NFL. 
347-324-5404 is the number. This is the Red versus Blue Friday Night Football Show. Scott Atkins and Michael Trent here. We're talking about the FF Toolbox Expert Mock Draft. Uh, we're looking at the, the difference between being dra- or drafting in the first six picks of the draft versus the second six picks of the draft and how running backs kind of dominate the first three rounds if you're in the first half of the draft, whereas your your hand is a little bit forced to go wide receiver because you don't want to be chasing the other teams. You feel like at some point when that tier is at the end of that tier, we like, we use a lot of tiers, a lot of uh, players do, you almost want to start the new tier and get the top of the guys at the tier of wide receivers. And I, and I tell you, I'm not afraid to go wide receiver with one of my picks in the first two rounds. It's I feel a little gun shy this year about going wide receiver, wide receiver, and I'll tell you why. Uh, again, you have to survive the bye weeks. You oh, have yeah. to survive injuries. Yeah. And it's really throwing a dart when you're talking about some of these upside guys. Now, look, you can tell me all day long, and I and I love Giovanni Bernard. It might take him a while to become the player that we think he's going to be in the NFL. The fact that uh, – and, and Lou Tranquilli talked about this on BFD. I asked him straight up. I said, do you think at any point this season Giovanni Bernard will start for the Cincinnati Bengals? And he paused a little bit. He uh, he just basically said, no, I don't. Because I, and he went on to explain that he feels that Cincinnati, with a great defense, they do have a very improved defense over the last couple of years, that if they're winning, there's no real reason, especially in that division that's a little going to be a little bit down this year, with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, questions surrounding both of those teams and their defenses. The fact, and Cleveland's always a mess at the bottom, but the fact that uh, if they're winning, there's no real reason to rock the boat. You should be able to use him in an electric situation every once in a while, give the majority of carries to Ben Jarvis, and unless Ben Jarvis goes down, then then you can see him start him. And he, and he did preface that. He's saying, you know, of course if Ben Jarvis goes down, then you you, you throw the rookie in there and let him go. But if things go according to plan and you're the Bengals coaching staff, there's no real reason to rock the boat if you're if you're the Bengals, especially if you're winning. So I, I understand that, and I understand that what Marvin Lewis and Jay Gruden are trying to do. They want to they want to build this momentum. They have Andy Dalton. He was a very fine quarterback last year. Some people don't like how he finished the year last year, but he still put up top twelve quarterback numbers. Now, will he be in the top twelve again, Mike? Yes or no? Uh, you know, I think it will be. I mean, this is a team that uh, it builds itself around defense, and he's going to get plenty of opportunities. People forget uh, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they've been in the playoffs two out of the last three years, and yeah. that's not by luck. I mean, the last uh, the last two, three years has been against a very tough division. Now, this year, that division is going to be much uh, it's going to be much weaker. So I think uh, I think Andy Dalton, yeah, he could be uh, top fifteen, top twelve. Andy had a lot of good things going for him, and we mentioned this before on Red vs. Blue, so I won't spend a lot of time on it because the regulars are in the chat room. Thank you for being here, by the way. Fantasy Tad is in the chat now as well. Two hundred and twelve yards a game in, in Andy Dalton's rookie year. Two hundred and thirty in his sophomore year. Twenty touchdowns his rookie year. Twenty-seven touchdowns his sophomore year. TD percentage going up, completion percentage improving by 4%, and then the coaching and the ownership team decide to give him more weapons. Give him a Giovanni Bernard out of the backfield. Give him a Tyler Eifert uh, as a tight end over the middle to pair with Gresham. And then you have the development of a couple of injured wide receivers that potentially in Marvin Jones or Sanu, uh, I would imagine as Sanu, uh, as a number two there. 
to pair with A.J. Green, who's now going into his third year and should just be a monster. There's a lot of things to like about Andy Dalton and a lot of reasons to think that he may be able to top that 4,000-yard mark this year and 30 touchdowns. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that Andy Dalton is a 4,030 guy, which is another reason that you can you can comfortably wait on quarterback. There's no reason to get uh, stressed out when you see all those big names going, Mike. I know at the end of the day, I've been in a lot of drafts, and I and I do look at the run of quarterbacks, and I say, oh, as long as I can get one of those, as long as I can get one of those guys, you know, as long as, right. as, long as it's a, a Luck or a Griffin or a Wilson or a Kaepernick or a Stafford, that's that's five guys right there that are behind the top six. There's like eleven guys that you could get that are in that range and throw Tony Romo, and there's twelve. So unless you get burned and people start taking two quarterbacks on you, I think you can comfortably wait till the eleventh round and get your first quarterback. Or later, if you're comfortable with starting an Andy Dalton. Yeah, you know that's you know that's funny because uh, I, you know I'm looking at everything and uh, it, it just the way it, the way it falls out into place. I mean, you I see Eli Manning in the eleventh round. Well, I mean he's not the greatest uh, fantasy stat guy that you could have a quarterback, but it's not bad. Uh, and you know. Charlie Kaepernick, uh, Robert Griffin the uh, third, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's going to put up some serious numbers this year, guys. I mean, in the ninth round. So, uh, you know, it, it just changed, it changes my uh, whole perception on uh, wh- how I should go about my draft. Well, and again, they're talking about uh, Rich in the chat room, Code Cracker. If you go wide receiver, wide receiver, what do your running backs look like? So, let's say you're just at the ninth pick, that's a or the tenth pick. You're at the tenth pick, and you go wide receiver, wide receiver. Your options are a rookie in Le'Veon Bell, a rookie in Monty Ball, Ryan Matthews. I mean, you really feel good about Ryan Matthews when you leave the draft room. Yeah, I you, wouldn't feel good may, about that. Maybe in the fifth round, what would be there would be Eddie Lacy, Jonathan Stewart. Nothing's there for you at that ten pick. If you wait on the tenth pick, I could easily see myself saying. I'm not going to take a running back here. I'm not going to take a running back here. And that pattern continuing until you get down to where you're like, I have to take a running back here. It's very difficult if you're in the second half of the draft. You almost have to let the value at wide receiver fall to the guys in the first half of the draft well, and chase the running backs. Sure. And you, you almost have to do that, Scott, because there's so many wide receivers that are out there that are that good. Uh, you know, when you look at that uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round especially, I mean, these are really good wide receivers. So, right. you, know, you might as well go ahead and uh, bite the bullet and uh, take the chance on the on the uh, special backs, the running backs, that you need to, uh, need to get to fill up your yeah. lineup. I think it's almost a must situation that you cannot go wide receiver, wide receiver this year unless you believe – in those backs that I just mentioned, if you believe in Ivory, uh, the and again, when I say Ivory, it's not like if you're at the – let's just talk specifically about the 10 hole when you're looking at this draft board. If you believe in Ivory, you're not taking him in the third round and very likely not going to take him at that 4-3, especially when you can get guys like Jordy and Nix and Harvin. I mean, if Harvin's staring at you in the face at 4-3 – are you telling me you're going to take an ivory? And, Wayne, I'd love to hear – I know you're drafting right now. Somebody in the chat room, I would love 
can you turn down a Percy Harvin for a Chris Ivory if uh, or a Bradshaw at 4-3? You can't really overpay. And I know it's not, it's more about team construction. But if you're in that 10-hole, you're really – you must mock and mock and mock and mock until you feel comfortable because – if if not, you're not going to like the running backs that you get. You almost have to take one in the first two rounds. Now, obviously, here in this draft, C.J. Spiller filled a 10, and, and that's just incredible. I You don't see that happen very often. Marshawn Lynch went ahead. Uh, Scott Engel from Roto Experts took Marshawn Lynch at 7 uh, over C.J. Spiller. I can understand it. I mean, Lynch is a beast. I personally prefer Spiller. But there's a lot of guys that don't because Spiller had his games last year where he only got – 8, 10, 12 carry, you know, he had several games that were very low on the carry scale, and if it weren't for receptions bailing him out, you know, he did have some bad games. So, very important well, to get a running you know, back, I mean, in my it, opinion, in the first two rounds. You know, that's a tough call, Scott. I'm looking at right now uh, between uh, C.J. Spiller, uh, even Ray Rice, uh, Calvin Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, uh, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, all of those, I mean, you could you, you could group them together, uh you know, it's kind of interesting, uh, that team that took Calvin Johnson, came back with Jimmy Graham, and uh, Lamar Miller. Lamar yeah. Miller, that, that, that's, that's, uh, that's something that I'm trying to that, – that's a code I'm trying to crack right now. Uh, well, I, I think, yeah. I think they're going to be real good. But is Lamar Miller really – I mean, is that his spot at that, at that spot in round, th- in round three? I think so, and I think everybody in the in the high stakes world is is realizing that Lamar Miller does have a, a tremendous opportunity in front of him, uh, especially the fact that uh, Reggie Bush is now gone. Daniel Thomas is not much of a threat. Uh, Gisley from Florida, uh, he's a he's a nice player, but this this should be Lamar's opportunity. He kind of served his role on the bench for the most part in his rookie year, and this is his opportunity. He's not a He's not. I'm not afraid of a Lamar Miller, but he does. He, he's probably not going to make it to that 310 mark. So if you're from the, if you're in that 10 hole, that 11 hole, or that 12 hole, and you need a running back, if you went wide receiver, wide receiver, because again, this is a hypothetical situation. Saying can you go wide receiver? I would love to take AJ Green and Des Bryant. I mean, don't get me wrong, or, or Brandon Marshall, two of those guys. If you have those two, there's no questions that you're going to outscore your opponents at the wide receiver one and wide receiver two position, most of them. I mean, except for the guy that has Calvin, right? You're going to beat them at that position. The question is, will your sacrifice at running back be too severe? That's what we're trying to discuss tonight uh, here on Red vs. Blue. It's uh, we, We've got the expert mock draft uh, here well, from FF Scott, Toolbox. Uh, i got uh, a couple of running back situations that I would like to bring up. Uh, Ron Matthews, Darren McFadden. I know Darren McFadden, he's going to be uh, drafted way ahead of Ryan Matthews in most drafts. Uh, let's face it, these guys are both uh, mash. I mean, it, I feel like it's Hawkeye and uh, Honeycutt right now. Uh, you know, which one do you think between uh, McFadden and Ryan Matthews is going to garner you more points this year? Uh, well, look, we I, I think we've been pretty vocal about Darren McFadden uh, over the the last couple of uh, couple of shows when we've talked about him. I don't have a big separator in points between the two in my projections. Actually, I know that might surprise a lot of people. Uh, I have Darren McFadden at number nineteen, the running back, uh, the number nineteen back, and I have Ryan Matthews at number twenty-two. 
I have Darren McFadden at 226 points, Ryan Matthews at 209. But that takes a lot of belief in Ryan Matthews and, again, in Darren McFadden staying healthy. I mean, the problem with Darren McFadden is the history that you have, and everybody knows what you're getting when you're when you're buying and you're drafting Darren McFadden. You're drafting a back that has top five, top ten talent and production ability if he stays healthy. But when you look at his last five seasons, and you see that three of those seasons he hasn't been able to start over seven games, and in five years he hasn't been able to start over 13 games, you're not getting a full season out of Darren McFadden and in the last five years, only one year of 223 carries. So why am I predicting more carries for him? 235 carries? Uh, one, and that's not a lot of more carries, 235. I mean, that for a normal back, that's not a lot. But for Darren McFadden, that's a mountain, right? Uh, it is a contract right. year for Darren McFadden. Uh, you, you have to take that into account. Most players in the NFL get one extra shot and one extra bite at the apple, so to speak. This is really his last hurrah to to do something and I don't even know if that's going to do it you have to be dominant you have to look strong and and this is a new offense uh, for Greg Olson coming in as the offensive coordinator you have to you have to give him a chance to take advantage of his pieces and everybody that's in camp and everybody's talking about the Raiders that's there says oh this is perfect this is great this is perfect setting up for Darren McFadden to be a, a downhill runner and a threat out of the backfield to use Marcel Reese uh, like they did last year. They love Marcel Reese. Everybody loves Marcel Reese. He's a guy that is a big Yakko guy for uh, yards after contact. So, you know, Reese was a uh, Reese fits into this offense well. I think they will try to keep McFadden fresh uh, with Reese and some of the other younger backs there a little bit better. I think they'll hopefully do a better job of that. But he's the type of guy that rolls around and, and gets dinged up, and then, you, you, you know, you've kind of wasted your pick. You better back him up, and you better have a backup ready to go. The, uh, Ryan Matthews is the same thing, Mike. You put, you give me two guys that have just tremendous uh, issues with being able to stay on the field. That's the hardest part for each of these players. So anytime you're projecting 230 or 240 carries for a back like either one of these guys, it's a real roll of the dice. It's a roll of the dice because they just can't seem to stay healthy. So well, something uh, I like the fact that they're both involved in the in the passing game. Right. Yeah, they're both involved in the passing game. And uh, something that I looked at uh, both backs, and I've, I've looked at a couple of drafts, is uh, they're, for their particular team that they draft, they're the number two RB behind a solid, healthy back. So, uh, you know, my, if I'm going to give a tip, which uh, my tips sometimes are good or might not be so good, but if I'm going to give a tip, if I'm going to take them at Fadden, or a, uh, Ryan Matthews, it's definitely going to be behind the back. It's going to be a uh, a healthy back, like a uh, Ray Rice, C.J. Spiller, Alfred Morris, somebody like that. Uh, Henry Muto was in the chat room. He started one draft, Dez, Green, McFadden, and Murray. And getting getting a lot of props for that in the chat room, and I agree, If if that type of a draft falls for you, you're okay, but in a lot of times, McMurray ah. and McFadden won't be there at that 310 range for you to get. That's the problem. You are rolling the dice and crossing your fingers with a lot of unknowns, and the fact remains that they may not be there, and it's really hard to figure out what type of a draft you're in when you don't know the competition at the table. You're not going to know if they want to go running back heavy, and 
I would. If I'm in the top six picks of the draft, I would get that those running backs locked down. I think most people are going to figure that out. We all know that running backs, by the time September gets here, they their value always goes up, especially in the preseason. For example, what if Chris Ivory does have a big run? What if Shane Vereen or Giovanni Bernard or Eddie Lacy busts off a big run in the preseason? You know what's going to happen. One run in the preseason, those guys are instant yeah. third-round picks, maybe even into the second because they love the explosive uh, potential. Everybody remembers when Arian Foster had his big run in the preseason, all of a sudden, it's over. Lights out. He's not making it past the second. If he makes it past the second, somebody early in the third is getting him, and he's not going to get to you for that wide receiver, wide receiver start. So just be careful when, with your expectations. If you start wide receiver, wide receiver, you better know that the running backs that you're after you're going to get, and you better be prepared to pay early for them because they won't drop to that fifth round where you think they will. If you think Eddie Lacy will drop at 5'10 when you get to Vegas, he won't. He just won't. It just It's a matter of fact, Mike. You've been there in Vegas. When you look, you can look at mocks all day long. You can look at the real-time drafts all day long. The drafts that you did the week before, the Sunday before, when you were prepping and printing up your sheets and your mocks, it won't happen when it comes to Vegas. Everybody's going to be thinking that. They're yeah, going to take I mean, their guy when it's when it's time. Yeah, you're sitting there, you're sitting there empty. Yeah, I mean, uh, the gas tank is on empty, and you're going, holy cow. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? Uh, uh, let's find one. Let's find one. Next thing you know, you're finding crap. And so you're drafting whatever you need to at wide receiver when you could have had a running back a little bit earlier, and then you can go ahead and fill in your wide receivers and say uh, round 9, 10, 11. Uh, I mean, you go ahead and fill in a Sidney Rice or Brian, Brian Hartline, for instance. I mean, you know – so you you better go ahead and get it because I I'll be honest with you, Scott. I, I'm not a believer in uh, drafting these running backs early, but the way I'm seeing some of these draft boards go off, man, it looks like that's the case because uh, wide receivers are going to be there and the quarterbacks are going to be there. Kimmer Schlisser was on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. We are 37 minutes into the program. Time is flying by, gang. We have 20 minutes to go in this show. But Kimra, one of the high-stakes players that's ranked in the top ten in, in the world, according to our uh, high-stakes manager rankings that are found on FF Toolbox, I asked her for a bust, and she gave me the bust in Arian Foster. And she she talked about the price that you have to pay for Ben Tate as an op- as a reason. She doesn't like to expend a high pick on a handcuff and feels like you need to. And I totally agree with her. If I have Arian Foster, I'm, a, I'm scared to death that somebody's going to take my handcuff. Uh the problem is I don't see the same type of – if it's me, I don't see the same type of handcuff in Ben Tate that I do in Bernard Pierce. I would much pref- I would prefer to spend that pick on a Bernard Pierce than a Ray Rice, and that – I mean, that's just me. Uh, the other reason is I'm not a big fan of Arian Foster this year. I mean, I know here in this draft you see he was taken as the one pick, but everything that I see about Arian Foster is trending down except for the workload. This guy – has had such a workload in such a short period of time, it really worries me. I know he's a beast. He hasn't missed that many games. He had some hamstring injuries in 2011 that got him off to a slow start with the injuries. Last year, he tweaks the hamstring, and he falls to you. Remember, it wasn't in Kentucky, I think, and he he fell to you at six. The question is for me, Mike, when, when 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 I'm looking at the numbers for Arian Foster, you have the tremendous workload. 
you have the fact that he's a huge touchdown machine, 15 and 16 and 10 touchdowns in the last three years uh, rushing. And you have, he always gets receiving touchdowns too. He's, he's, at, he's had two receiving touchdowns the last three years, so he's a book. He's a lock for 10 or 12 touchdowns if he's healthy, right? He's kind of like a gronk in that regard. But there's some of the things that, I, that you see there, like the yards after contact. He's never really been a solid guy there, and it's trending down the last three years, 2.6, 2.5, 2.2. You talk about the yards per carry from the from the couple of years when he was dominant at 4.8 and 4.9, 4.4 4 in 2011, 4.1 in 2012. The receptions from 60, a career high in 2010 of 66 catches down to 53, down to 40 last year. Also less targeted in the offense. And yards per catch, down to a 5.4 yards per catch. When this guy was an automatic 10-yard per catch guy the last couple of years, down to 5.4. There's something about the offense. You're not going to convince me that DeAndre Hopkins instantly makes everything better, right? I I like the kid. He's great. It's going to be nice to have a wide receiver, too, to help Andre Johnson. But that's another guy on the other side of the field that's kind of aging, right? I mean, has he lost a step? It's it's kind right, of hard to well, say. You've got two guys that I'm a very I'm very afraid to I'm I'm more afraid to draft Arian Foster than I am Andre. I'd take Andre. I would wait and take Andre in the second more than I would take Arian Foster in the first. I feel like in Vegas that's what's going to happen to me, Mike, and it happened to a lot of us. I think Arian Foster once people really start to look at what the last couple of years have been to Arian Foster and the progression and the trend. I'm talking about a trend. I think people are going to be scared to draft him. In those first six picks, I think he's going to fall, and you're going to be asking yourself, do I want McCoy or Foster? Probably somebody's going to go McCoy. Do I want Calvin or Foster? Probably somebody's going to go Calvin. Do you want Ray Rice or Foster? You know, we're getting into this. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm going to jump in, Scott. I'm going to jump in. Um, you know, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I can see right now, if I'm if I was drafting out of the one hole, uh, I would have a coin flip, basically, between uh, Arian Foster and AP. I really would. Uh, it, uh, between those two, you know, I, I mean, I, I would have to go one or the other. After that, Doug Martin, uh, Jamal Charles, uh, Trent Richardson, uh, Shady, uh, Marshawn, can, can I really feel good about my day taking Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, Trent, Shady, or Marshawn in front of uh, Arian Foster, I can't. I'm going to take Arian Foster, and I'll tell you why. Arian Foster is on a team that, let's be honest with you, they have to make the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs. This has to be one of the biggest years that they've ever had. This Houston Texans team is going to be, I mean, they're all in right now, and they're going to make sure that they get to the playoffs and go deep, like I said. So, uh, honestly, uh, I don't mind Arian Foster as the number one pick at all. Mobile app startup. I love Spiller when he drops to 1-8 and Charles if he drops to 1-4. I love that bleep. Uh, yeah, you know what? I do, too. Uh, anytime you see that kind of stuff, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a fun draft to be in. Because if you're sitting at the four pick and you get Jamal Charles, I'm pretty happy with things. I mean, because I yeah. think he shouldn't fall past three. If I'm at three, I don't pass on Jamal Charles if he's there, unless Doug Martin and Adrian Peterson are still there. Now, again, 
the only one caveat is how do you feel about starting your draft with Calvin Johnson? And the fact that you're in the first half of the draft allows you to take Calvin because very likely you're going to have an opportunity to take two running backs in the second, the one in the second half of the second and the other in the first half of the third that are going to yeah. be pretty nice players. And you can anchor yourself with Calvin, come back with maybe a, a David Wilson, and then finish up with a Lamar Miller. How would you like Calvin, David Wilson, Lamar Miller? I'd feel good about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so it it, it begs to look, uh, the question of uh, would you like to uh, draft one, two? I don't think so this year. I would not like one, two. I wouldn't mind being right in the middle of the pack. Welcome, Adam Bombs, to the chat room. Thank you for being here on Red vs. Blue tonight. Uh, again, the FF Toolbox Show, thank you to Fantasy Pros. They put out the challenge for the fantasy rankings. We finished number one in 2012 of over 100 expert websites. It's pretty incredible. Uh, it's fun to be a part of. We're on cloud nine here. We're all uh, popping the champagne tonight. It's it's uh, it's fun uh, to be a part of that, and uh, we're going to put that seal up proudly and display it. And and uh, people know that when they're getting their rankings, they, they, uh, they, there's a good track history of success there. So we talked about Arian Foster. We talked about Bernard Pierce. Uh, Mike, there's a lot of other players that uh, we and, – and, and feel free in the chat room if you want to throw a name out that you want us to talk about. There's a situation going on in Philadelphia that I think it bears discussion, Mike, because not that anybody here is thinking about drafting Michael Vick this year. Uh we have him as our 25th-ranked quarterback, and that's right now as perceived to be the starter at the beginning of the year. But I think the more that Chip Kelly looks at this offense, and I'm not a big fan of this this Chip Kelly offense coming to the NFL. I don't know how you feel about it. I'll give you a chance to respond here in a second, Mike. But any time you, you bring in and you think that the college game is going to translate to the NFL game, I think you're sorely mistaken that your genius is going to come in and supersede the years in history of NFL coaches that have been before you. I, I just don't think – I think it's almost like the Spurrier syndrome, you know, that you think you're going to come in and do something a little bit different and that it's going to work. And I think that what's going on with uh, with the Philadelphia situation is, is Chip is looking at what he has in the cupboard, right? He has Michael Vick in the cupboard, and he has a, he has a, a quarterback that will be lucky to get him 60% completion. I mean, on his best – He's going to be a 60% guy. And that's not what he really needs to make that offense work. He needs a very highly productive, in-and-out type player to get that ball into a receiver's hands, into a weapon's hands, the McCoy and those backs, and move the chains continuously, play after play after play. That's not Michael Vick. You're trying to force a square peg into a round hole. I think by the time this season is done, uh, starts, before week one, I everybody – they're saying it's either Nick Foles or Barkley. I think Foles is going to be the guy, and and I think if you give Michael Vick a chance, it's not going to last long, and Foles is going to be the starter. So he's another guy in a draft master format. I'd be scooping up. Getting late. You know, right, well, right now, uh, when I look at that uh, whole offense in Philly, that's what's going on. Uh, they need all-line help big time. They, they, I mean, they need defensive line help big time, but uh, – uh, LaShawn McCoy, he stands out to me. I mean, he really does. He stands out to me as being the uh, prime uh, prime target, uh, the sure. prime guy to uh, get most of the uh, uh, yards, and he's going to be he's going to be the one. So he yeah. 
I mean, I mean, let's face it, uh, LaShawn McCoy, he deserves to be uh, where he's ranked because he's going to get it. Yeah, there's no way that LaShawn McCoy doesn't catch 50 balls in this offense. I'm, I'm having a problem getting my head around what what Chip Kelly has in the cupboard because do I think yeah. that they can throw uh, yeah. 550 times? Yeah, but not if not if Michael Vick is rushing for 100 times on the year. You know, not if not if he's involved. You have to give that run, that run game back to the running backs. That's another problem because you're taking plays off the field that could be going to this offense and. When you're getting 5.8 yards a carry, it's a great number, right? If you're Michael Vick, that's a good number for rushing the ball. But you can get 11 and 12 yards when you're throwing the ball, right? You can get 11 and 12 yards per per, per throw per catch when you're throwing, or at least seven, seven and a half. It's a it's it's lock, stock, and barrel when you're throwing every attempt. So you're missing out on that offense that he wants to do there. And, and I just don't see. I can't make the numbers work for the projections. It's very difficult. I, I think that Macklin would have a good year, but I can't even get him to have a good year. I've got him projected at 210 points in a PPR league. You would think he's much more capable than that, but not with Michael Vick in this offense, in this Chip Kelly offense. I just don't see it. And then you've got to still feed the Sean McCoy and the Bryce Brown. You've got to feed those two guys, and, and everybody thinks that Deshaun Jackson, you know, that deep game along with using him like Chip I'm Kelly would like him. to use him. Yeah, I mean, I could see Deshaun Jackson being the guy. You hike the ball. Deshaun Jackson steps off the line, you toss it to him at the line of scrimmage, and he takes off and runs in space. That's what Chip Kelly wants to do. So we'll see what they can pull off. It's it's it is a mess. I mean, it it really is a mess with uh, with Michael. Yeah, Vick it, it's a hot mess. Scott, something I want to uh, bring up, uh, if you don't mind, uh, yep. we got about ten minutes left. Uh, the Friday night qualifiers. Uh, yep. Talk to me a little bit about that because that that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. The next Friday night uh, on Red versus Blue, uh, you can be part of FFWC history. This league just went on sale uh, this week. It's a $175 satellite league. We call them qualifiers at FFWC, so it's a Friday night qualifier, $175 entry fee. You get the exact same rules and format as the Fantasy Football World Championship, but for a much smaller entry fee, $175 entry fee. It's a 12-man league. You win a seat at the 2014 main event, or you can take the cash if you want the cash, but most people want the seat. That's how you get yourself into the high-stakes world is you win one of these satellite leagues for 175 bucks, and it's a 13-week-long regular season. You don't have to worry about the Week 12 debacle where you get your your guys from Cincinnati and Seattle get you there. They don't play in that championship game. You don't have that here. It's a 13-week regular season. You play all teams once. Your first two weeks are all play, so you, you have a 13-week record. And then the top two records and the top two uh, uh, most points, they go into the playoffs. All four of those teams qualify for the playoffs, and then it's a shootout for those weeks 14 through 16. And whoever ends up with the most points in that 14 through 16 shootout will win uh, a, a seat at the main event. Second place is 350, so it's really weighted to those top two finishers in that playoff. So you got to make the final four after 13 weeks. And then you got to have one of that the, the top the hottest team in weeks 14 through 16. But for 175 dollars, you get a chance at the main event, and that is the only public draft we're going to do. The only public qualifier league we're going to do is uh, the qualifier league on red versus blue next Friday night. There's uh, probably nine or ten spots left. They just went on sale on our message board, and uh, it'll be a live commentary pick by pick draft. So we'll do a two or three hour show on that night. And we'll we'll have a lot of fun with it, Mike. So it should be uh, it's next well, nice, Friday night. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's only one hundred and seventy-five bucks, right? 
Yeah, Mike. Uh, if you're looking for something to do, man, feel free to jump in, and I'll try to take the podcast for you and, and find uh, find somebody to manage. It's up. To, I, I can't play. I would love to play, but uh, no more of that for me at the FFWC. I have to uh, I have to uh, step aside and and let you guys have all the fun and live vicariously through you guys. So I understand, but uh, that sounds pretty awesome, man. Is it going to be just uh, next week or two or three of them or what? Uh, it's just going to be the one live commentary draft that we have on Red versus Blue. Uh, we will cool. do some other qualifier leagues. We we may broadcast them, uh, but they won't be public display draft boards. You'll be able to see the draft board. You'll be able to see it go on, and it is a real money draft. So it will be will give you good experience, and everybody uh, that's listening and watching in the chat room, the crew here at Red versus Blue, everybody will get to uh, check out the board. Those are always a lot of fun. Look, we did those for years, Mike. We were the first. I think in the industry six, seven years yep. ago to start doing those where we would have the draft yep. board, we would post it all in the chat room here on Log Talk, and we did them for the FPC or the FPC, and uh, we did the FPC uh, drafts in their very first year. We were the first and only draft that they would uh, highlight to, to the world. There, it was a lot of fun, and now we've yeah, moved and- on, and, and and this is our opportunity to, to expose the high stakes players to other high stakes drafts, and we love doing them. They're just a blast. So. No doubt, listen. Scott. I mean, you know, that's some of our best shows. You know, if you, if you go back and listen to them, I mean, it's, it's some of our best shows uh, uh, because we don't uh, tip the hand of uh, who's drafting. We just simply comment and uh, make commentary on who was drafted and uh, why they drafted them in that spot and why they did what they did. And that's pretty much it. And but these live drafts, they're fun, and uh, I can't wait, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, Scott. Well, I hope some of the crew in the chat room, I would love to be able to do that. We also have uh, probably some prizes that we're going to give away during that podcast. We have some free subscriptions to our premium content. I want to talk about that for a second. We do have some premium content that's going to be coming out at FF Toolbox. And, and again, it's why get your advice from Bristol when you can get it from Vegas. Our experts don't just don't write articles. They cash checks. That's what we have at the FF Toolbox with the high-stakes players. And we have assembled a team of some of the best fantasy players on the planet to give us certain picks and commentary in the preseason. It's called FF Toolbox Preseason Pro. It's a small package for $4.95. Uh, we're not trying to break the bank here or anything. We're not trying to get rich. We're trying to give you something you feel you feel valuable and you feel is compelling enough to sign up for. And you'll get access to it in your player dashboard at fftoolbox.com, along with all your other games, all your other drafts. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But the preseason pro package is basically a combination of some of the best players on the planet giving you their bust, their comeback, and their sleep. Uh, giving you those picks with commentary so that you understand who some of the best players are targeting this year. And as those picks evolve for them, if they make any changes, you'll get updated all the way up until your draft day. You'll get updated live on your dashboard. Just log in your dashboard, and you'll see those picks evolve and change. If they change, if any kind of news happens, you'll get an updated pick. It's not like you get it, and then things change. It will move with you uh, as it uh, as the news changes. So it's a pretty cool product. There's also going to be partnered up with a, a few little extras there for you. But for $4.95, uh, you can't beat uh, getting the advice. And, and I think that's one thing that I'll just say real quick, Mike. I think puts some people at a little bit of a disadvantage because I've been playing for high stakes for ten or eleven years. At any time, I can call up Rich, I can call up Z-Man, I could call up, I could call up Mike Sand, I can call up a lot of guys that I've known in the industry for years and just ask them who would they start. 
And a lot of people that are jumping into the high-stakes game, they don't have that tremendous network. They have fantasy fans and fantasy players, but they don't have this network of high-stakes winners that win every year consistently that really know the right call or at least have a good, educated guess. That's valuable. That is really valuable to have that on your side. So we in some way want to give that and expose that to the to the person that doesn't have the network of people like some of us in the high-stakes world do, Mike. It's kind of the – does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to have that, uh, you know, uh, access to be able to uh, hone in on uh, – to improve our craft. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to improve our craft. Uh, make everything better and uh, do, do the best you can of what you do. And finally, at the end of the show here, Mike, we could we could go on and on uh, and, and with these shows, but we do have the um, uh, a really cool contest coming up on fftoolbox.com. Should be getting details uh, on it in the next week or so. But it's the mock draft world championship, and and that sounds strange to say, right? But basically, what we want to do, and I just posted a link to it in the chat room. It's the Mock Draft Simulator powered by Fantasy Pros, and we've worked with those guys actually uh, on this simulator. And, you know, it's funny. I got an email from the guys at Pros, and he said, I've been dying to tell you guys for a month now that we've been talking about these uh, this, this ranking challenge that you guys did so good in. Uh, but here you go. And they announced it to us today and said, don't say anything. It's going out today in the public. So it's, it's kind of cool that he knew all along that we did well on that rankings challenge last year, and he, uh, he kind of had to hold on to that information. But anyway – the draft simulator is a lot of fun, and I put a link to it. And basically, you just draft. You can mock in literally minutes, Mike. You can have a mock draft set up to your league scoring or format, whatever your starting lineup requires. And you can mock in literally minutes. And then what happens is, usually a lot of times you'll look at your mock and say, man, that's a good team. What we want to give you the ability to do after you've mocked your team is say, I want to enter that team into the mock draft world championship contest. For how much? Four ninety-five. <laughs> For five bucks, you throw your entry into the mock draft world championship and you give it a whirl. And the prize package is going to be pretty sweet if you're if if uh, for anybody that loves fantasy Great. football. It's going to be a really yeah. cool prize package, and you can uh, you can mock it to your heart's content. And you, the cool thing is, if you mock it and you like it, you enter it in. If you don't like it, just mock again and give it another try. Uh, that's the cool thing. You can enter as many times as you want uh, for five bucks, and we'll have state rankings. We'll have favorite team rankings, so we'll have fans of Colts, fans of Texans, ways of being able to or send it to your local group of, of friends, and you can mock and have your team there and see who does the best at the end. So going to be a lot of fun to work on that mock draft world oh, championship. Oh. Very affordable to do. Yeah, absolutely. And plus it's just uh, it's homework. It's homework. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what we do uh, before uh, before the big, big drafts in uh, August, September. I mean, when – when those months come along, I mean, you need to have that kind of homework to uh, get you prepared for uh, the big deals. So uh, that that's good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for being uh, being here tonight on Red vs. Blue. Uh, if you can, join up for that Friday night qualifier. We would love to have you. And, again, we're going to have some prizes for the uh, for everybody that signs up. We're going to have uh, some, some good things to give away uh, just, just for being a part of that first ever. Be a part of history. Uh, at the FFWC and be a part of that uh, first satellite league. So, thanks again, Mike. Uh, Red versus blue. We've uh, we've we've got uh, some good things going on for some of our uh, basketball teams. Uh, we've got some good teams here, and uh, Peyton Siva. Yep. The NBA. He's looking pretty darn good. Pretty exciting to see him uh, in Detroit. So, until next week, gang. We'll see you. 
You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.